Hey there, listeners. This is Justin with a quick note before today's episode. Spotify recently allowed users to start leaving reviews for podcasts, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would consider listening to the show on Spotify, leaving us a positive review. I don't even think you have to write anything in. You just give a star rating, and that's it. But uh, if you're willing to do that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks, and enjoy today's show. Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Normally on the show, for longtime listeners, you know that I interview military veterans about their civilian career what they do, how they got there, and advice on others seeking to do the same. Breaking from that format today for episode number 421, I wanted to do a book review, just kind of ad hoc um, stream of consciousness on a book that I absolutely love, and um, I intend to have every single person I hire read this. I plan to have this be part of our um, company Bible for how we operate. Uh, The book is called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, A New Paradigm for Sustainable Success. And I absolutely love this book. A friend of mine, uh, Jared, we meet every single Wednesday for an hour by Zoom. We uh, just talk shop about business. He runs a real estate company with about 20 employees, and he had recommended it to me. Um, and, and as I aspire to do, he's had every single team member read this as well. Um, it's just such an exceptionally written book that is uh, so efficient at communicating leadership principles in a way that I haven't ever heard them articulated before. And as someone who's done a decade of of personal growth work, silent meditation retreats and empathetic communication and men's group, uh, a lot of different things, I feel like they took so much wisdom and packaged it in a business way that just makes sense and is very again, efficiently communicated. They don't take too long to draw things out. So I wanted to share a couple of things. First of all, I wanted to share a couple of my top takeaways, which is really hard for me to do because um, I've I underlined so much of this book and um, even recorded a personal podcast for myself of all the underlined sections so that I can listen to it while I'm driving around and just remind myself of the the section of the of this book that I highlighted. That's that's how much I believe in this. So a few of the things that I I wanted to share is. Um, let's just call them my top five takeaways in no particular order. Um, The first thing I loved about this is they talk about how leaders choose curiosity and learning over defensiveness and being right. One of the things they said along with that is that all drama in leadership and life is caused by the need to to, to be right. And that curiosity, learning, and wonder will win out every time over rigidity, closed-mindedness, and self-righteousness. Let me just read that again. The the opposite, you know, what I'm trying to be less of is rigid, closed-minded, and self-righteous, even though it feels great to be all of those things and to be, you know, convinced that I'm right. And instead, what I'm aspiring to be is curious, learning, and in a state of wonder. So I really liked that first point. Um, A second thing that I took away And this echoes from what I loved about Jocko Willink's book, uh, Extreme Ownership. But the second thing I took away is that leaders take radical responsibility. And by that, I mean they choose to take responsibility for whatever is occurring in their lives. 
absolutely everything. They let go of blaming anyone, and that includes others, circumstances, conditions, and, and even themselves, not blaming themselves for things, and open instead through curiosity to learn all that life has to teach them. The third thing that stood out to me is that leaders view tragedies and problems as learning opportunities. And so instead of asking, oh man, why is this happening to me? Instead, they ask, what can I learn from this? Or they ask, how is this situation happening for my benefit? Instead of this happening to me, how is this happening for me? Or they ask, how am I creating this and actually keeping this going? And I think that's so great. You know, 10 years of entrepreneurship, I've had so many things go wrong. And so often I, I just kind of spin into this spiral of wallowing in misery or feeling like a victim or feeling bitter. And I'm really getting from this book how much more valuable it is to shift of like, okay, what is this here to teach me? Maybe this is just a handcrafted curriculum where I can learn something and, and that literally happened. You know, I had a vendor that um, I was paying a lot of money for, uh, and I, it just didn't work for me. And when I let them go, that was the end of it. They never asked what went wrong. They never asked for feedback. And it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I was just bitter about that for weeks. Like, how could I have paid them so much money? I knew their CEO. How could they not even just ask to learn what went wrong? And and I tried to take that that lesson from this book to say, okay, what can I learn from this? Oh, I know. I never want to treat one of my clients like that. How can I choose to be curious the next time someone cancels? How can I make sure that I suck the marrow out of that experience and learn what went wrong? So that was was one example on that third point. A fourth thing that I took away is that leaders constantly drift out of integrity like anyone else. They just shift back faster. And, and one of the core principles in this book is um, they talk about a framework of being above the line or below the line. And let me uh, flip through. So above the line is being opus, uh, open, curious, and committed to learning. Whereas below the line of this consciousness line is being closed, defensive and committed to being right. And um, so what I liked about this book is that they talked about like, man, all of us, it's inevitable we're going to slip, quote unquote, below the line. No matter what we do, no matter how great we are, we're going to become closed, defensive and committed to being right. So it's not about always being above the line, open, curious, committed to learning. Rather, it's about cultivating an awareness realizing, oh man, I shifted into this space of being closed, defensive, committed to being right. Okay, great. Let me switch back to above the line as quickly as possible. And I'm really starting to realize that the difference between great leaders and mediocre leaders are the ones that can recognize that they drifted faster and shift back above the line more quickly. And I can think in my own life, times where I've spent weeks and weeks and weeks or years probably being closed, defensive, and committed to being right, rather than realizing that I shifted and saying, okay, I want to be more open, I want to be more curious, and I want to be more committed to learning. And then a fifth one is that leaders recognize the wisdom of their emotions. 
So by that, I mean they take time to see what they are feeling and make it okay to feel whatever sensation is occurring. They tap into the wisdom of what that emotion is telling them and take action from that place. And I recorded an episode on mindset a couple weeks ago, if you haven't checked that out. One of the things, let me just dive in a little bit deeper. Um, They gave an example from a company where they asked them to just literally do what I just said, you know, be more aware of what they were experiencing as an emotion. And not making that emotion right or wrong, not trying to even figure out why it was occurring, but instead trying to tap into the wisdom of that emotion. And let me give a couple examples. They said, okay, if you're feeling angry, then they were asked to wonder about what was no longer of service and needed to be destroyed or what new boundary needed to be put in place in their life. If they were feeling fear, they were asked to wonder about what they were supposed to wake up to, pay attention to, and learn from. If they were feeling sadness, they were asked to get curious about what they needed to let go of, beliefs, ideas, people, dreams, hopes, and visions. If they were feeling joy, they were asked what needed to be celebrated and shared. And so again, I feel like when we operate from this place of in our head, in our brain, in our minds, we're really missing out on the wisdom of our body, of our feelings, of our emotions. And I think those of you with an athletic background, you, you, you in particular realize the incredible wisdom of our body. Or those of you who have read Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, you realize like how with our body, we can, we can literally in split seconds make observations and realizations that, that might take us hours to, to actually unpack intellectually and consciously. So, um, I want to do one other piece here, but the book, again, is called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. Really hoping to have their authors on the show, and um, it's just such an exceptional book. And, And not just for those of you leading companies, those of you leading families, those of you leading communities. I just think it's such a great framework, easy to digest framework about um, how to be a better, more conscious leader. And I'm going to stand up here. I've got uh, on my, my uh, pin board here right next to my desk, I actually printed out all of the 15 commitments of the conscious leader. And I'm going to actually read through those for myself, but also for your benefit. I feel like although they, they devoted a chapter, a full chapter to each of these 15 um, commitments, I think even just reading those commitments, you'll get a sense and, and get some value. So let me just reach up here and grab that. All right, so I'll just go through these, uh, and it's it's basically a number, a statement, and then a brief explanation. So number one, taking radical responsibility. I commit to taking full responsibility for the circumstances of my life and for my physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. I commit to supporting others to take full responsibility for their lives. Number two, learning through curiosity. I commit to growing in self-awareness. I commit to regarding every interaction as an opportunity to learn. I commit to curiosity as a path to rapid learning. Number three, feeling all feelings. I commit to feeling my feelings all the way through to completion. They come and I locate them in my body, then move, breathe, and vocalize them so they release all the way through. Number four, speaking candidly. I commit to saying what is true for me. I commit to being a person to whom others can express themselves with candor. Number five, eliminating gossip. 
I commit to ending gossip, talking directly to people with whom I have a concern and encouraging others to talk directly to people with whom they have an issue or concern. Number six, practicing integrity. I commit to the masterful practice of integrity, and including acknowledging all authentic feelings, expressing the unarguable truth, keeping my agreements, and taking 100% responsibility. Number seven, generating appreciation. I commit to living in appreciation, fully opening to both receiving and giving appreciation. Number eight, excelling in your zone of genius. I commit to expressing full magnificence and to supporting and inspiring others to fully express their creativity and live in their zone of genius. Um, Quick side note, there's an exceptional book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And um, he and his wife started the Hendricks Institute. It's a tremendous leadership resource. The authors of the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership um, studied under Gay Hendricks and the Hendricks Institute. And that whole concept of zone of genius is what that book, The Big Leap, is all about. It's about recognizing your zone of genius and operating there most of the time rather than where we we most operate, which is um, where we're most comfortable. Number nine, living a life of play and rest. I commit to creating a life of play, improvisation, and laughter. I commit to seeing all of life unfold easily and effortlessly. I commit to maximizing my energy by honoring rest, renewal, and rhythm. Number 10, exploring the opposite. I commit to seeing that the opposite of my story is as true or truer than my original story. I recognize that I interpret the world around me and give my stories meaning. Quick side note, there is so much there, this concept of story. I heard about it through an organization called Landmark. They offer a three-day event called the Landmark Forum, which is supercharged personal development. I learned so much from that weekend. But it's such a great concept of stories, how we are meaning-making machines as humans. And something occurs, and then we create this story about it, and we believe the story, even though it's usually not true. That's, you know, in, in relationships and life and work, there's so much there and so much harm we cause ourselves through that. So I love that. Um, I love this, this uh, piece here of number 10 of, you know, exploring the opposite. Number 11, sourcing approval, control, and security. I commit to being the source of my approval, control, and security. Number 12, having enough of everything. I commit to experiencing that I have enough of everything, including time, money, love, energy, space, resources, etc. And quick side note there, you've probably heard me before on the show talk about scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. There's a lot of research here that when we believe that things are scarce, time, money, things like that, we, we have confirmation bias and we just reinforce that belief. Oh, there's no time. There's no money. I don't have enough possibility in my career versus those of us who practice gratitude and cultivate a sense of abundance. Oh man, there's, there's so much time to do what I need to do. There's so much money in the world. There's so much possibility. Again, we, we confirm that we find ways in which that's true. And it's a much for me, a much happier place to live from. So I really love number 12, having enough of everything. Number 13, experiencing the world as an ally. I commit to seeing all people and circumstances as allies that are perfectly suited to help me learn the most important things for my growth. 
Number 14, creating win-for-all solutions. I commit to creating win-for-all solutions. Win for me, win for the other person, win for the organization, and win for the whole. For whatever issues, problems, concerns, or opportunities life gives me. Um, Number 14, I, I think, is so relevant for me as a person, and I imagine many of our listeners... I can think of in my, my company Storybox a, a large number of mistakes that I made because I was trying as, you know, as a good, quote unquote good leader to make things great for my team. And I really fixated on making them happy to the detriment of my own happiness and self-care and, and to the detriment of our company. I was so focused on internal squabbles and things like that that I lost sight of, man, if this ship goes, you know, goes underwater here, not as a submarine, as a surface ship, unintended underwater, we are all screwed. And so I really like this distinction, win for me, win for the other person, win for the organization, and win for the whole. Had I been doing that in my first company, I know things would have turned out radically different because if I was focusing on my own happiness as well as the company's success, in addition to making my team happy, that would have been a lot better strategy. And I just say this because I think that some of my fellow veterans may carry in to a detriment the sense of like taking care of your people. Yes, and take care of yourself. Yes, and take care of the organization. And I I definitely lost sight of that one. Um, And then lastly, number 15, being the resolution. I commit to being the resolution or solution that is needed, seeing what is missing in the world as an invitation to become that which is required. Um, I I learned this... um, uh, one last story. I learned this pretty pretty powerfully in a men's group led by John Wineland. It's called the Embodied Men's Leadership Training. Uh, I did it for two years, super intense program, one of the best things I've ever done. And on one of the calls, he asked us, like, basically, as I remember it, like, hey, what are you, what are you really missing in this group? Like, what are your gripes? What are your complaints? complaints. And I, you know, I wrote down all these things that I wanted. I wanted uh, to be having daily connection with people and I wanted to be getting more feedback from the group and all of these things. And then he turned it on us by, by asking us like, okay, how are you bringing that? Like, Justin, you want feedback. Like, how are you showing up and giving really strong, direct feedback to other members of this group? You're wanting daily connection. How are you creating that? How are you forming a group that's going to meet daily? And it really, you really rocked me in a good way. And and that's how I interpret this number 15 being the resolution. Whatever is going on in your life, you know, I would encourage you, whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're missing, let's just say in your marriage, if you're not feeling appreciated, how are you bringing that? How are you laying on the appreciation for your partner? Or at work, if you're not feeling, you know, if you're feeling like um, no one is leading in a particular area, how are you leading? How are you showing up and bringing that which you most desire? And what I took away from number 15 is really seeing our gripes and our complaints as an invitation, as an invitation to bring that to whatever it is, our relationship, our family, our community, our life, our workplace. And I think it's such a proactive thing that's that's so awesome. And, you know, so much of my time in the military on submarines was just complaining and moaning about things that weren't, weren't going right. I really wish that I would have instead 
viewed each of those gripes as an invitation of like, all right, how can I take this on? So the book, one last time, is called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. Give it a read. Let me know what you think. And I will see you on the next episode with an interview with a military veteran about their civilian career. Take care.